اعوذ بالله من الشيطان العين الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاه والسلام على سيد الانبياء وخاتم المرسلين سيدنا ونبينا ابي القاسم محمد اللهم صل على محمد وعلى محمد وعلى اهل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين المعصومين الذين ضحب الله عنهم الرس وطهرهم تطهيرا اللهم صل على محمد وعلى محمد واللانه دائمه الباقي على اعدائهم ومنكر فضائلهم وغاصب حقوقهم من الان الى قيام يوم الدين اما بعد فقال الله سبحانه وتعالى في كتابه الكريم لا تحرك به لسانك لتعجل به ان علينا جمعه وقرانه The Prophet left two precious things as source of guidance for us the Quran and the Ahlul Bayt In the last majlis we saw Imam Ali alayhisalam that he went into self-imposed isolation in order to compile the Quran which is known as the Mus'haf of Ali the Codex the Codex of Ali It had two distinctions from the common Quran that we have now Number 1 it was compiled in the chronological order according to the sequence of the revelation and number 2 it had marginal notes about the con- contextual background and explanation of the various ayat of the Quran <clears throat> the prophet when he talks about living two precious things saqalain he ac- emphasized in the version that i quoted last night from sahih muslim he emphasized that hold on to the Quran and do not neglect the ahlul bayt Tonight I would like to look at the version of Hadith Saqalain as given by Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, the Imam of the Hanbali school of thought, narrating from Zaid bin Arqam, a very prominent companion of the Prophet, who says that the Prophet says, "Inni tarikum fikum khalifatayn. Kitabullah hablun mamdud ma bayna as-sama'i wal-ard wa 'itratu ahli bayti." He says, "I'm leaving two successors among you." Not Saqalain khalifatain two successors among you one is the book of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa itratu ahl ahl bayti and my ahl bayt wa innahuma lan yaftariqa hatta yarida alayya al hawz and verily they both will never separate from one another until they reach me at the fountain of kawsar on the day of judgment tonight i would like to talk about the importance given by imam ali alayhi salam to the quran and then i would like to end with one important aspect of the inseparability of the thaqalain but both actually you know ended up with the same situation coming to the issue of quran in the words of amir al-mu'minin i have selected some of the sayings but i would like to begin with a sentence from the will of amir al-mu'minin that he dictated between the zarbat and the shahadat and that will is very important every year on the day of the 19th of ramadan between the majlis of zarbat and shahadat i actually go through the entire uh, wasiyat and the will of imam but tonight i will only go through one sentence from that where amir al-mu'minin says wallahu wallah fil quran la yasbaqukum bil amali bihi ghayrukum he says i remind you of allah regarding the quran others should not precede you in acting upon it this is very amazing 
Ali is saying that, you know, do not let others benefit from the Quran and they go ahead of you in acting on the values and the teachings of the Quran. So let us look at ourselves. How much importance do we give to the Quran? Do we only recite it, read it and memorize it? Or do we all also act on the Quran? Reciting, reading and memorizing the Quran is indeed good. But remember that all these are steps, stepping stones to understand and act upon the Quran. Reciting the Quran is like wudu. Acting on the Quran is like salat. Doing the wudu by itself has a sawab and reward. But remember that its purpose is to prepare ourselves for doing the salat. The second statement of Amir al-Mu'mineen about the Quran is from Nahl al-Balagha, Sermon 110 where he talks about this importance of the Qur'an in one segment of that sermon, where he says, Learn the Qur'an, for it is the fairest of discourses. أحسن الحديث. Then he says, Understand it thoroughly, because this is the best blessing of the hearts. Rabi'ul Qur'an. Then he says, And seek cure with its light, for it is the cure for hearts. So he's talking about the spiritual disease. And if you look at the light of the Quran, you will be able to get the cure for the illness of the heart. And then he says, أَحْسِنُوا تَلَاوَتُهُ فَإِنَّهُ عَنْفَعُ الْقِسَسِ and recite it beautifully, for it is the most beautiful narration, Anfa'ul Qasas. At the end he says, remember, a scholar who does not act according to his knowledge is like the confused ignorant who can't get out of his ignorance. Moreover, such a scholar, actually, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has an argument against him, which is very greater and more in incumbent upon him and he is more blameworthy in the eyes of Allah on the day of Qiyamah because he did not act upon the knowledge that he had. And so remember, Amir al-Mu'mineen is putting learning, understanding, reciting and seeking spiritual guidance from the Quran in one passage and starts with the process of learning and understanding before reciting. Maybe there is a message that Ali is trying to give that remember that reciting is a stepping stone to understand the Quran and act upon the Quran. The third statement that I have from Amir al-Mu'mineen, again from Nahl al-Balagha, from sermon number 193, where he talks about the muttaqeen, the righteous people. And remember he is Imam al-Muttaqeen. And this is a very powerful khutbah which was uh, extemporally, you know, delivered by him at the request of one of his uh, companions who wanted to know the qualities of the righteous people. There, Amir al-Mu'mineen talks about their engagement with the Qur'an. And he says that during the night time, they would spend the night in reciting the Qur'an in a leisurely manner, means not in a very hurry, hurried manner. Whenever they come across a verse, 
which excites desire for the paradise and for the Jannah, they would be inclined towards it eagerly. And their spirits turned towards it longingly. And they feel as if the Jannah is right in front of them. They can feel it like. Then he says, And when they come across a verse which elicits fear of the fire of Jahannam, Amazingly, the way Ali described, he said, they turned the ears of their hearts towards it. And they feel as if the sound of the hellfire and its cries is reaching the depth of their ears. And this is where we have to realize that, you know, if you are a true follower of Ali, Ali is Imam al-Muttaqeen. If you are in that category of those who are known as Muttaqeen, then you should engage with the Quran in this way that as if the Quran is, is presenting the hereafter to you and you are able to feel it and sense it and see it with the eyes, with the eyes of your heart. The fourth statement from Amir al-Mu'mineen about the Quran is about the importance of the need of the Imam in order to fully understand the Quran. And this is in sermon number 158, where he says, That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deputed the Prophet at a time when there, was, there were no Prophets for, for a long time. And People had been in a slumber for a long time and the twist of the rope had loosened. I mean, their connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was, was becoming lesser and lesser. And at that time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised the Prophet. So, so then he says, Then the Prophet came with a book which contained verification of the books which were before him. And he came with this book, which is a light to be followed. This is the Quran. Then he says something very interesting. He says, If you ask, if you ask it to speak, It will never speak. But I will tell you about it. You know, we hear about this concept of Quran Natiq and Quran Samit, a silent Quran which is in a book form and is speaking Quran in form of Ali bin Abi Talib. This is what he is referring to. He says, Try to make it speak. It will never speak. I will talk about it. And then he says, This is a book which has the knowledge of what happened in the, in the past. It talks about what will happen in the future. And it has the cure for your ills and the regulation for whatever faces you in your life. And so this is the importance that Amir al-Mu'mineen has given to Quran, the first source of guidance left by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Salawat. Let me now go on to the issue of Saqalain. What happened to the Saqalain, the Quran and the Ahlul Bayt? Because 
the Prophet says, Lan they can never be separated from one another. And so how did the Muslims handle the Quran and the Ahlul Bayt? The irony is that both the Quran and the Ahlul Bayt were neglected by the Muslims. Let us look at the example of the Quran. Forecasting the events of the Day of Judgment, in Surah 25, Ayat number 30, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala quotes a complaint of the Prophet that on the Day of Judgment, the Prophet will complain. وَقَالَ الرَّسُولِ يَا رَبِّ إِنَّ قَوْمِ the Prophet will say, Oh my Lord, verily my people have treated this Quran with neglect. Mahjur, they left it. Yes, if you look at the world at the moment, the Quran is just a ceremonial item. For example, on official levels in Muslim countries, it is used by government officials for their oath ceremony. But when it comes to their own laws and regulations, the Quran is considered outdated. They don't want to follow the teachings and the values of the Quran. On a personal level, in wedding ceremonies and similar programs, you know, it begins with the recitation of the Quran. But as soon as the Quran, the recitation of the Quran has ended, the values of the Quran are trampled upon in that same programs. The Quran has become a piece of decoration for our masajid, for our homes, whereas it should have been an adornment for our hearts, an enlightenment for our minds, and it should have reflected in our actions. It is a shame when we see that, you know, Muslim countries fight one another in places like Yemen and Syria. And when, when a meeting is held in Ankara in Turkey, 16th September of last year, a non-Muslim leader of Russia recites an ayat of Quran to the Muslim leaders. President Putin in that conference quotes a sentence from a Quranic verses addressing the, the Saudis. He says, look at your own holy book. And then he recited this ayat from Surah Ali Imran, ayat number 103, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Hold on to the rope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala together. وَلَا تَفَرَّقُوا And do not be divided. وَذْكُرُوا نَعْمَةُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ And remember the blessing of Allah upon you. إِذْ كُنْتُمْ عَدَى فَعَلَّفَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِكُمْ You were enemies of one another in, in the past. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought your hearts together. فَأَسْبَحْتُمْ بِنِعْمَتِهِ إِخْوَانًا because of his blessing, you became brethren of, brothers of one another. And so this is where we see that, you know, the irony is that a non-Muslim now is reciting the ayat of Quran to the Muslim leaders. And this is the example of, you know, when the Prophet says, Ya Rabbi, inna qawmi ittakhadu hadha al-Qur'ana mahjura. Oh Allah, my people have treated the Quran with ne neglect. What about the twin of Saqalain? How have the Muslims, you know, dealt with the Ahlul Bayt? There also we see that Ahlul Bayt have become just a ceremonial name. All Muslims from the Wahhabis and the Sunnis and the Sufis to the Shias all say that we love and respect the Ahlul Bayt. But look at the Muslims. Yes, Ali is included among the four rightly guided khulafa, yet his examples and practices are ignored while others are preferred 
by the Sunni Muslims. You don't have to go very far to understand that. Just look at the daily prayers of the Muslims. All of them recite Surah Al-Fatiha in the first and the second rakat of the, of the Salat. But when it comes to the Basmala, Bismillah rahman rahim in Surah Fatiha, even in prayers where the surahs are recited loudly, our Muslim brothers, they either omit that sentence or silently recite it. Fakhruddin Razi, a very famous Sunni uh, Mufassir of the Quran, in the beginning of his uh, tafsir of Quran, clearly says that Ali used to insist on reciting Bismillah rahman rahim loudly in all the prayers. That we have been told that Ali, the opinion of Ali was to loudly recite Bismillah rahman rahim in all the uh, prayers. He says, according to me, this statement of Ali and action of Ali is a strong argument for myself. It settles down in my mind. And I don't care about those who argue with me against this statement. Then he quotes Imam Shafi. And he says the first person to omit the Bismillah rahman rahim in the prayers was Muawiyah. And so this is where we see the irony. The Prophet in Sahih Muslim's version says three times I remind you of Allah regarding uh, the Ahlul Bayt. Three times. But see, when it comes to reciting Bismillah rahman rahim they prefer the example of Muawiyah over the example of Amir al-Mu'mineen, Imam al-Muttaqeen, Ali bin Abi Talib Further on, Imam Fakhruddin Razi in his discussion, he says, He says, the fact that Ali recite, used to recite Bismillah rahman rahim loudly, this has been proven by Tawatur, means the narrations are so many that nobody can doubt about it. And whoever follows Ali ibn Abi Talib in his religion is rightly guided. He says, my proof to follow Ali in the matters of religion is what? He says, the Prophet used to pray, Allahumma adril haqq ma O oh Allah, turn haq in whatever direction Ali turns. Salawat, Not only this one example. Look at all the branches of Islamic sciences, from theology to jurisprudence, from Arabic literature to Quranic studies. Trace the line of the teachers in all these different sciences and you will see all of them go back to none other than Ali bin Abi Talib Yet, you will see that he has been neglected even in, in these matters. You look at the ahadith quoted in the Sunni compilations. You will see that the number of ahadith quoted from Imam Ali in the famous books of ahadith, early books, they reached to only 586 narration. Compare that to the quotations that they have from Abu Huraira, which reaches to 5,374 narrations.
This is in spite the fact that Abu Huraira saw the Prophet only three years, the last years of the Prophet's life. Whereas Ali from age five had been with the Prophet till the last breath of the Prophet And so even in the, when it comes to compilation of the Hadith, Abu Huraira is preferred by the Muslims over Amir al-Mu'mineen Ali ibn Abi Talib And so this is where we see that both the Saqalain, the Quran, and the Ahlul Bayt have been neglected by the Muslims. We actually thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be among those who are the followers of Ali ibn Abi Talib. <clears throat> Ali in all situations was embodiment of the Quran and the example of the Sunnah of the Prophet. Even when the blood was coming from the forehead of Ali, even at that time, he does not forget the sense of justice and mercy towards his own killer. And he advised, as I said yesterday, to Imam Hassan to take care of his own prisoner, the accursed Ibn Muljim. When Imam was then taken to home, and normally this majlis I recite the Masai also totally in English, so I'll keep with the English language. When the Tabib, the doctor, was called to the house of Ali to examine the, uh, the wound of Ali, when he looked at it, he turned to Ali and he said, Ali, the poison has spread in your body. It has reached to your brain. There is no cure for it. Oh, Ali, make your last will. Then he turned towards the family members and he says, that feed him only milk, nothing else should be given to him. As Hussain, even when the family, Imam Hassan or Bibi Zainab or Mukulsum or someone else, would bring the bowl of milk to Amir al-Mu'mineen, Ali would just drink a little bit of it. And then he will push the bowl away and he will say, take the rest of this milk and give it to Ibn Muljim. And he would emphasize that do not forgive to feed him, feed him the food that you yourself are eating. Even when Ali was in pain, in the last will that I quoted earlier when he talks about the Quran, the last statement that he addresses his own family where he says, La yuqtalanna fi illa qatili. That make sure that no one is to be killed if I die. Except the person who killed me. Unzuru is a ana muttu min zarbatihi hadihi fadribuhu zarbatan bidarbatin. If I die because of his one striking of the sword, then remember, you are only allowed to strike him once. Wala yu mathulu birrajul. But do not mutilate the body of this person, of my killer. Because I've heard Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying, that I warn you against mutilation of the body of anyone, even if it is the body of a rabid dog. Perhaps Amir al-Wamineen wanted to remind the people there, especially the companions who would come and see him at that time, the people of Kufa, that one day my son Hussein will come to you in Karbala. 
Even if you don't like his ideas, if you oppose him, even if you go to war with him because of your political issues and you kill him, do not mutilate his body. But I would say, Ya Ali, if you had been there in Karbala, if you had seen a house what Zainab had seen, that after killing Hussein ibn Ali, Ibn Ziyad Mal'oon actually announced that I want 10 volunteers, horsemen to come, because Ibn Ziyad has ordered that the body of Hussein should be trampled. These 10 horsemen came with their horses, and they actually trampled the body of Hussein in such a way that the bones of his, his chest and the spine were actually crushed close to one another. And this is where Zainab, when she saw this, she turns her face towards the heavens and she says, Ya Rasulullah, look at it. The angels in the heaven praise you and they recite the salawat for you. But look at the, your your grandson Hussein, his body is being trampled here in Karbala. Oh Ali, if you had seen that scene of Zainab, you would also have cried on Hussein. خداوند اس قلیل عباد قبول فرما ہمارے گناہوں کو بخش دے ہمارے توفیقات میں اضافہ فرما خداوند شیعان علی اور مسلمان جہاں جہاں پریشان حال ہیں ان کی پریشانیوں کو رفع فرما خداوند جہاں جہاں شیعہ ہیں جو گرفتار ہیں مسئیبتوں میں ان کی مسئیبتوں کو ختم کر خداوند یہ کرونا وائرس کی جو مسئیبت پوری دنیا میں پھیلی ہے اس کے منفی اثرات کو ہم سے دور رکھ امام کے ظہر میں تاجل فرما ربنا تقبل منہ انکا انتا سمیون علیم یا اللہ یا اللہ ماتم حسین